0: carrying on our series, um, looking to bring you comfort um, in the real hardships of life. Um, I wonder if you've ever thought um, what it would take uh, to really convince somebody uh, that the God story is real. One of the things I've noticed, particularly in the last couple of chapters as we've gone through this book in Second Corinthians, is just how honest Paul is. That's really the approach he goes for in Second Corinthians. It's not Um, it's not the only strategy that he uses. Um, He appeals, if you read through his travels in the book of Acts, he appeals um, to the Greeks with logic. um, And he talks to them about the God that they, you know, the unknown God. And he points to a statue and he says, you know, just think about this. And he sort of gets them to kind of reason Uh, When he's talking to people who might know a little bit about the Jewish um, story, he talks to them about the way that this whole story points towards this messianic figure. It's the only real thing that can make sense of it. So he does use different kinds of logic, but particularly in his pastoral letters, maybe really, he just, he often, he doesn't only, but he often He's just really honest about his own experience of faith as a means to persuasion. So maybe you can think back a couple of weeks to, um, I think it was chapter four, Paul talked about um, the earthen vessels. And Paul said that Christianity, living out the Christian life is a bit like this. You feel like you're in a pot that could crack at any point, and yet you've got this awesome treasure inside of you, and yet you've got this awesome treasure inside of you, but you feel like you could crack. At any point, it's hardly a big sale, is it? In chapter 5, uh, maybe you could remember this from a few weeks back, we remembered how w- the Christian life was like being in a tent. Like you could just get blown away by it. You were just really vulnerable to any storm that would come along. Or you were like an alien. Remember that term? You were like an alien that would just perhaps feel like they didn't quite belong. And last week, one of the phrases that grabbed me was that and Paul felt or appeared like it was out of his mind. Paul was just really honest. And the last couple of weeks, I've just found them really honest. Paul's just telling it like it is. And you kind of get to this point, I think, in the story where it's almost like the honesty climax. So just, I don't know if we can see verse, chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. It's it's like the way that I read a newspaper. I'm going to start at the, start at the end to tell you what Paul says as he goes through. Paul says, verse 11 we have spoken freely to you Corinthians and opened wide our hearts to you we are not withholding our effect, our affection from you but you are withholding yours from us as a fair exchange i speak to you as my children open wide your hearts also it's like paul says i'm going to be really i'm going to be really honest about my faith experience I'm going to be really open with you. I'm going to tell you it exactly how it is, so that you can be honest with yourselves. And I think, I think that's what he's saying is that's really where f- faith is. That's that's really what it's what it's all about. When, you know, when you take the sheen off, so easy in it just to go through, um, just to go through the, the, the walk the life out. To rock up at church to go through that whole thing, just as a kind of a habit, and I think sometimes um, the Bible breaks into that. I think Paul breaks into it here, and he says, "I'm going to be really honest with you because I want you to be honest with yourself. I want your faith not to be marked out by just just walking through it, but you know what you really cling to in the desperate times, what you're assured by when you can't sleep at three o'clock in the morning, those sorts of things." because that's what faith is isn't it so there's i think there's two stop-offs that he gives us in this text um things that he's really honest about so that's it just two stop-offs um the first one is that it's really he's really honest about the fact that it's just this faith thing this religion thing it's really just about getting who jesus is it's really just that who he was what he did what it meant it's it's, it's really just just that the church at Corinth the church that um, Paul is writing into and I guess we see we see two of Paul le- Paul's letters g- traveling towards Corinth there were lots more letters and there were lots more letters coming back so there's lots more information bits of it that we know but one of the things that we know that this church at Corinth as the church today it quickly um, quickly gained add-ons quickly gained um, extra bits that come along with the church journey, that come along with the faith journey, that is a result of, well, any time that human beings get involved with anything, there's extra bits, isn't there? And the church at Corinth, as the church today, is no different. The church at Corinth, you know, it's, it's been going two minutes and it quickly gets people coming along who are making money out of it, who are using it um, to sort of gain influence in society or to make their own points, to bring their own sort of teaching, to have their own Sway exactly like the church of today is. uh, You would have done well to miss this week um, the leader of the free world um, standing in front of a church trying to hold a Bible, you know, making a bit of a mess of it, didn't he? And you can't help but see in this time of like great upheaval when. There's clearly something to learn, there's clearly something for human beings to learn, and yet, somebody grabs the message of the church and maybe puts a different spin on it, gives you something different to think about, maybe adds something to the story. And that can happen in the grandest ways, and throughout history it has happened, like that where the church story has had these quick add-ons, for the sake of money or power or sharing your opinion. And it can happen in really incidental ways. Church does that too. So it's where this, sit there, the seats should look like this. We should sing these kind of hymns. These are the kind of words that you can say. These are the kind of places that you can go to. Church quickly gets. So it's all about this. And Paul, in this passage here, I think this is what he's saying. He says, look, I have done... So check it out, verse 3 to 7. I think what he's saying here is, I have done everything I can in order that you see Jesus clearer. So read it with me. Verse 3, we put, like underline this if you want, if you sat there with a pen and a Bible in front of you or whatever. we We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry and in the left hand. You see, Paul says, I've I've been living my life with the view that I don't want to do anything in all these different circumstances, all this tough stuff, that it gets in the way you've seen Jesus. i got to tell you, all that church really is, whatever shape your building is, whatever seats you sit in, whatever clothes you wear, how prim and proper you are, how chilled out you are, whether you wear sandals or not, whether the guy who preaches goes on for hours and he's awesome, or he goes on for five minutes, it's only ever about making Jesus clearer. That's it. Paul says, I'm going to be really honest with you. It's just about that it's really helpful I think for us to think about this as Christians because I think sometimes when we think about what it means to be a Christian we kind of think in order for God to impact the world we've got to be really awesome or we've got to make it really clear how right we are how brilliant we are and how right we are and I think actually our job is to show how awesome and right God is and it's so easy to get that wrong I remember as I was thinking this through um about 10 years ago, my family went on a holiday. It was one of those. So it's my mum and dad and my immediate family. We've only ever done it once. Maybe, maybe your family's the same. Maybe you've just done that kind of holiday once too. And we went to Venice, beautiful, amazing Venice. Um, we, we rocked up. We got the ferry towards, um, towards St. Mark's Square. You can see Venice in front of you, and so me and Jude were the only people that had ever been before. The rest of the family hadn't been. Uh, we we happened to honeymoon there. Awesome, blew the credit card on on a honeymoon to to Venice. It was incredible, and and I hadn't really given this any thought, no planning at all. But as soon as we got to Venice, as soon as Venice was in view, I became this idiot tourist guide, just this super annoying. Let me show you this. Let me show you this. You need to see this. We did this when we were here and I was like dashing my family about all over Venice. You know, we'd run over to the Academia Bridge. Oh, you've got to see this. When we were here, we had this ice cream. You've got to check out this ice cream. It's amazing. Then we dashed back over to this other restaurant. We can't really afford to eat here, but I just wanted you to see it. It was, you know, I was all like that. About halfway through the day, Jude like grabbed me by the neck and she's like, you need to let them, you need to let them see it. And she's like, look at this place. And she kind of, I remember, I don't maybe we are on a bridge or maybe I'm romanticizing it and she's she trying to stop me and she went, look at this place. Look where we are. Look at how beautiful it is. You don't need to, you don't need to do anything to make this better. You've just got to point at it or you've just got to let them see it. I think sometimes And I think part of what Paul's saying here is he kind of spends half of his time pointing towards Jesus. But he spends just as much of his time making sure he's not in the way by the way that he lives. Because the story of Jesus, God's love, the amazing grace that we get to receive, the unmerited favor that's there for us. The beautiful redeeming story that it that it is in Christ. If you see that, that's it. So I would say this to you: if you're looking, if you if you're looking into this story, or even if you've been a Christian um, forever, whatever you've seen of Christianity, it's just really all about getting who Jesus is. It's just really all about remembering God's love for you that you see in Jesus. That's it. That's the first thing that Paul's really honest with you about. Anything else he's saying is just getting in the way. Second thing that he's really honest about is that it's not a it's not a prosperity ticket for life on earth. It's more of a it's more of a guarantee of a bit of sweet ride. It's not a prosperity ticket. Paul's like, I need to be honest. you about that so read through with me verse 8 through to 10 this is how I think I think what Paul's doing is he's just being honest about about how it is says these words through glory and dishonor bad report and good report genuine yet regarded as imposters known yet regarded as unknown dying and yet we live on beaten and yet not killed sorrowful Yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing on out as we see around here, and yet possessing everything. Paul says that the, in his experience, the Christian ride is is like that. You can have times of you can you can know the glory of God, the wonderful truth that you're saved, and And the incredible riches that are in store for you you can have that you can sort of hold that in one hand and at the same time you can be held in contempt and dishonor by everybody around you that can happen both of those things can happen you can balance both of those things out you can have you can be this um saved changing person um god really working at your life you can become this genuinely half decent sort of guy girl and yet on this earth you can be regarded as a complete imposter Paul says to us in these verses I think he says let me be really honest with you I've known the reality of God near to me I've known what it's like to know God the best not not when it all goes brilliantly well not then or it's because it's all gone wrong the times that I've known God the best and the nearest when the blessings of his kingdom the blessings of knowing him were with me in the traumas of life in those moments where it was really rubbish to be alive he says I can rejoice in sorrow I can be in complete despair and I can be in real pain Sorrow's like sorrow is such a visceral word, isn't it? We can really—it's a really helpful word. I can just—you know—I can be in a real bad place, and yet somehow, because because of what God means to my me life, because of what because of what I know about who He is, about His character, about what He promises for those who are faithful with in Him, I can rejoice. Somewhere in that moment, I can rejoice. I can—I can exist on this earth with nothing. I can have absolutely nothing to show for myself and yet I can hold that, you know, I can hold that present reality with the reality that I've actually got everything. You know, I could become a martyr monk type of guy who just gives everything up or I could become the unluckiest guy in the world and lose everything or I could just be a rubbish businessman or whatever. I could that all that could happen to me and yet I've still got everything and I know that reality too. Paul says... Being a Christian, if I'm being really honest with you, is like that. It's not a ticket to prosperity. It's when in the really rubbish stuff, you know with certainty the blessings that come with God. Bittersweet. Here's what I'd say. Summary. What our world needs now, I think, more than it needs anything else, in the middle of... In the middle of this pandemic, or maybe hopefully towards the end of this pandemic, where we've seen the best of people and probably the worst of people in the middle of racial unrest across the globe, where again we see both, we've kind of had these great revelations about what it means to be true human beings, haven't we? Oh man, this huge inequality. But at the same time, it brings out all this other stuff in people. At times of real global uncertainty, what the world needs now. As we kind of, I guess, live through the reality of some of these verses, it's it's unfair dishonor. Unfair reports fly around everywhere. everywhere. Loads of people that are genuine and yet accused of being imposters. What the world needs is not somebody who who can offer a money fix. There's a sense that if we just throw enough money at this, You know, this pandemic, if we can just throw enough money at it, then we'll fix it. But whenever we've done that in the past, money still ruins us in the end. You know, it's just unfair to some people. No matter how much you throw at it, we just can't manage money well enough, human beings, so that there's not disparity in how it gets shared out. Even if we threw all the money in the world at it, some people would get left out. Some people would get rich. Some people would get poor even if we threw some great scientific or technological response to it, even if we got all that right with this disease, and it, you know, even then, there's still money to be made, and it would still ruin us. Even the passion and the anger that burns within us that we see so viscerally in society at the moment, and kind of feel so right, doesn't it? You can see that in so many people. Even that. Even that, you can see it, it's just corruptible, isn't it? We just can't always get that right. Even like really righteous anger, we can't get it right. And we've got a world, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the way that we are like pining for new leaders at the moment. Even a a new leader, even the leaders that we think are really cool or we thought were really cool, it's just impossible to exist in this topsy-turvy world. What our world needs now I think more than more than any of those things is someone who is able to exist in that climate and not trip anybody up who could do that who could get through this who could lead us through this who could manage to remain genuine when everyone's screaming imposter who could put up with that rubbish you see anybody around that could do that who could exist being a glorious person and yet nobody honors them who could exist being a worthy a person of merit a person of good upstanding moral behavior and yet everybody disregards them who could cope with that who could endure the riots and the beatings who could do all of that and yet not trip anybody up. We're aching for a leader to do that, aren't we? Our papers are constantly full of the pictures of the people who lead us. And we ache for somebody who can get us through this, in this topsy-turvy world, without making it worse. And we look at our leaders and we go, he's a pretty good person, she seems like a pretty decent dude. yeah, it's just impossible, isn't it? Here's what I'd say. What our world needs more than anything else. Somebody who can't trip us up. Somebody who can't make things worse. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus has an army of followers who want to make him a king. And he surrenders himself. Only Jesus receives the false accusations that end up leading to his death with complete silence. Silence. Only Jesus has authority over the wind and the waves and chooses to pick up a cross. Only, here's what I would say to the pastor only Jesus lives the kind of life that doesn't trip us up. Only Jesus still lives the kind of life that makes us honest about ourselves, so honest about ourselves that. We have to look out in love at other people. Only Jesus shows us ourselves like that. Only Jesus' life shows us ourselves like that. Nothing else. No one else. Only Jesus offers us so much love that we can manage to live at peace with other people. Only Jesus does that. Only Jesus gives us so much forgiveness that we can look at others and manage to have an overspill of forgiveness for them too, no matter what they've done, or who they are, or what color skin they have. Only Jesus does that. Only Jesus offers us so much hope that we can look out in in certain times and have real peace with our future. So if I'm to be honest with you, every sermon should have that tone. It's just really about Jesus. It's just really about who he is. He's what we need. I hope that's helpful.
1: Hi everyone. Good to be back with you. Hi to Ash and Paul. Thanks for joining me, guys.
2: Hi guys. You all right?
1: Yeah, did not too bad. Not too bad. Ash, thanks for your message today. That was really encouraging. Um, mm. We was, haven't. Was my done... hair
0: that spiky the whole way through? <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're so vain. <laughs> uh, we haven't done uh, five words for a long time. Uh, we used to do five words at the beginning, if you remember. But I wrote down mm. some five words, Ash, that you gave. Um, it's only ever about Jesus. Good five words. It's I only knew that. It's only ever about Jesus. I thought I'd oh, did you five... find that?
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. I thought I'd put a five words in. Uh, Why? Well done for picking up on that one. <laughs> Good.
1: Um, yeah. What, like, great message from that passage. I guess probably as somebody who doesn't speak on a Sunday my head is just like when you read that passage and you read about Paul's hardships I, my mind isn't necessarily uh, going going to some of those places uh, and I'm so thankful that you were able to help us with that how how do you how do you when you read a passage during the week I guess this is to Ash and Paul how, how do you decide what the church should hear on a Sunday what does that journey look like is it different for both of you who wants to go
0: first
2: (laughs) can I go first Paul Uh, yeah I can I think one of the things that amazes me all the time is that so often you work through before we before I answer your question um, (laughs) the number of times that you think that you've you've cleared up in your mind and you prepare something and you speak in a particular way and then somebody chats to you at the end and they've been helped in something that you don't think you even said um but God's spoken to them in an amazing way powerful way Mm -hmm. I I just find that hugely encouraging because it just reminds me that yeah we can prepare we can plan but the end of the day God speaks through his word and by the power of his spirit and sometimes that engages with people in ways that surprise us and it's an absolute joy um i guess one of the things that we both do well we kind of do it together really we we probably spend quite a bit of thinking time working out what what's the big overall journey um okay. that that the the book is taking us on and and certainly to the, the
1: bible or the book as in Saint corinthians?
2: well it's yeah if we're working through two corinthians so okay what, what's the big overriding messages that are going on? And um, certainly in this one, Paul's being criticized because of all of the afflictions and therefore those who are trying to take people in a different way are um, pointing to those tough things and saying, therefore, this can't be a true message. Hmm. Man, that that couldn't be more appropriate for us today. I think that's, yeah. that was brilliant, you know the idea that you brought out there, Ash, that the, the, the gospel's no promise to prosperity in this world. And I don't yet, think it is. It, it absolutely is a guarantee of prosperity. Yeah. Both. Uh, both. Both. So I think, so to kind of answer your question for me, it's what, what are the hooks that holds me tight to the big story? As I come to each particular mm-hmm. section of the book, but then maybe it's a little bit in the way that you would you would probably want to think about coming to the Bible for all of us um w- what was it saying at the time so that you know what 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 did it mean for the people who first heard it what what really jumps out to me? Uh, and how does God speak to me through what he was saying then and why he speaks to me today through the same kind of message so Mm -hmm. that kind of journey done about you ash that's that's where I tend to go that the last bit's helpful to to see what
0: what Paul is saying to the people at the time I think that's a good little thing to have in your head you're reading so you're reading a letter um but it's a you know it's a letter to a a, a bunch of people in a in a particular circumstance and it's just a helpful window to look at it through that i guess or you could end up doing all sorts of stuff um and um, with it yeah I th- part, part of the journey i think for, for everybody reading the bible not just the the people that do the teaching every everybody is to try and see what the you know the big message of the bible is saying you know it's saying that that jesus jesus is is the answer ultimately you know from beginning to end um, and trying to always read it through that you know the prism of that i think that's always helpful because that does shape how you end up looking at a particular story and um, i think also um so i mean just thinking about this week i think we sh- you should you know you, the other thing to do is whenever you read about the the prophets in the old testament they're always on the knees and i think often like some sometimes even even with Paul's good guidance and even with um, even with like a formula, I still end up praying and I, I get on my knees and I go right. Just need a bit of need a bit of help with this, please. Make sure I, you know these words are right, and I don't. I guess again, take away from this message of grace by whatever words come out my mouth. Yeah. And I think the other thing that you do, I think this happens kind of automatically, is you see the world around you, and I think you just can't help but see the world around you and quite often if you do those if I end up on my knees and if I end up being out of you know been aware enough of the world then the, the two things often the bible nearly always informs what's going on yeah and the world always nearly always needs a bit of wisdom from the bible that's what that's what i find anyway and it's mm-hmm. definitely this week with the idea of the world looking to not stumble i feel like it's so desperate to not stumble its way through this it's desperate to learn something in the pandemic it's desperate to learn something with the racial unrest and yet it's kind of just it is stumbling its way through it and it's desperate mm-hmm. for a, somebody who cannot cause us to stumble to stand up and say something that would not mean that we get more angry with some people or less ang- you know it's, des- it's, desperate, it's desperate for mm-hmm. you know what it's yeah. desperate for yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah it's, absolutely
1: it's interesting so that's really kind of encouraging to hear how you guys tackle that if if we've got somebody listening today who you know is listening to a song like lord i need you and kind of you know is thinking oh i want to read my bible more you know i'm going to wake up tomorrow and i'm going to read second corinthians you know <laughs> in that desire to eh, to rely and depend on god good de- good desires what did they need to be on their knees too i think that was, that was a helpful point Paul, they need to yeah. understand, you were saying they need to understand the big picture of the Bible. Do they need, mm. do you need commentaries and extra information and things like that, or is that all you need to, what, what do you think?
2: Um, I, I think that being, being in the church is a really important thing. Okay. When, when I say that, I mean, we're not, are we? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, being, being connected with people that can be part of our journey. Who can pray for us that we can pray with, um, and understanding that our faith in Jesus is—it's a—it's a journey of life, and and not to try to answer all the questions, build the perfect relationship, expect a perfect walk, in in the kind of sprint of enthusiasm, um, of seeing the hope of Jesus. And that's actually what comes out, I think, time and time in, in the New Testament, is real amazing examples of people who flounder and stumble and are supported, cared for, and restored by Jesus.
0: Um, I, I, that's kind of what's hard about being apart, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It definitely is. Because we do, yeah. we help each other out. I think yeah. that's one of the reasons that we have the church. That God set it up yeah. this way, that it, we would help sharpen each other up. You know, we yeah, rub off absolutely. each other in a in a in a way that pointed us back towards. Yeah. Towards Jesus. And I think
2: what you've done this afternoon, Ash, is th- that reality of our experience, that that honesty of where we are. You know, finding finding one or two folks who you can be honest with in that way who can really support you Mm -hmm. uh, and pray with you and 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 maybe if there's people who are listening to that and they they don't feel that you guys are available um Mm -hmm. from a distance albeit to be able to connect and to be able to encourage you into into networks of support but I've had so many occasions where precisely what you've said today is the experience that people have shared with me, mm-hmm. that actually the depth of their confidence in their faith, the depth of their assurance, the hope that they've found has actually been in the worst of situations, not the best, Yeah, yes, where, which is Totally counterintuitive to the way we would expect our human experience to be. Paul, and has it's a so real... a... sorry, going to
1: I know Paul has on paper. Paul has a real. Um, it feels like a gift for contentment, doesn't he?
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: He, I, I, and he expresses that in this in this little section we've looked at today but he's expressed Mm. that in other sections in Mm. in other letters he seems to be able to be content yes when the rest of us wouldn't yeah yeah you know or
2: or maybe or maybe maybe we would
1: but yeah i don't know
2: yeah maybe he's expressing what folks have expressed to me because because actually what he does it's like a kite with two strings he's able to say that i'm I'm downcast but not crushed. There's there's this way in which he can relate to the true human experience that he's going through. But in the depth of that pain, there's this underlying absolute security. It feels almost to me as though Paul, illustratively, he's, he's in a quicksand. He's being sucked down. He's in trouble. But then his feet find something solid. And he knows that he's not going to sink anymore. Um, that's the kind of hope that he brings out. It doesn't mean that he's not surrounded by mess, pain, suffering, but he knows an inner depth. And you know how often have I mentioned Psalm eighty-eight, which doesn't sound hopeful, but it's precisely that yearning for hope in God which is the inner depth.
0: But I think the reason the Psalms they are so helpful is because they are. So honest. I think one yeah. of the things I've taken out of the four or five chapters is the benefits of being honest with yourself about your faith, and also the benefits that come when we're honest, you know, with each other about what it's actually mm-hmm. like. Because mm-hmm. it's hard. It can be. It's hard church to come to church and be honest. So the the. It's so easy to go, when the question is, are you all right? Which is out of the first question every or what, or you is the right? weather nice? You just go yeah. You just say yeah. I'm fine just come yeah. straight out and it's really hard to be to be honest and I think yeah. there is a bit of a call for us to, or we're not you know there's a bit of a call and we're just helped by it when we can when we can be yeah. honest about where we're at or we can, where we can be honest about our faith you know that's which is re- yeah. like really hard to be honest about our faith how, is, how are you getting on with your faith yeah it's desperate I you know I'm not I've not read my bible in three weeks and I just mm. pray about Mumu's not well, and that's it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know, you, but you never, and you'd never, you'd never share that kind of stuff. But I think it, you know, I think it is. I think when you read about the early, the church that's painted um, in the gospels and that this church that forms, it's pretty honest. It's pretty easy for it to become like a club, a some sort of social club that gets us through. And I think it's better. I think you've used this line before that it's a bit of a hospital where we go. It's just you know, this is how we are. This is mm. this is the way it is. I think that's. Mm. Mm. That's a helpful thing to think about.
2: And that honesty I... comes from the fact that we can be absolutely honest before God. Yeah. Because he knows us and loves us mm. in spite of all of the reasons not to love us in that honesty. Honesty that we might not even be able to ultimately bring with each other. Yeah. We can bring to him.
1: I, I, mm. I, quite, I, I identify, Paul, with your uh, I flounder and I sprint yeah. Both of those are true in in yeah. me, just that I, I sprint and I think, ah, I'm sprinting and almost the minute I think I'm sprinting I flounder. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and
1: Absolutely. Uh, that is just oh time and time yeah. again my experience. Yeah. And I think yeah. probably I want to mention that because if people are thinking about uh, trying to share their floundering and sprinting with others then please know that you are not the only one mm. and that when we share faith together, we all make ourselves vulnerable Yeah, and that vulnerableness can seem scary, yeah. but actually it is, it can be a beautiful thing yeah. as well. So just oh. to encourage people that, it.
2: And, and some of the most beautiful, some of the most beautiful examples of, of sustaining faith are some of the older folks that you've probably known I've known that we know now over the years and they've actually learned to plod rather than to sprint and flounder they've actually learned that just step by step day by day trust faith it's not about me it's about Jesus and that that steady confidence and yeah maybe we get there in the end mm. yeah
1: so applaud and mm. it's all about jesus seem like a really good place to finish today paul. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah the best way we... is not to stumble eh? <laughs> yes, absolutely. that's
1: true that is true good one paul would you just bring some of these things in prayer for us please as we yeah. close today
2: absolutely father we thank you for the time that we've been able to share together this afternoon we thank you that as ash has shared with us this amazing part of the bible where paul paul is truly honest about the experience and in fact turns it around and says this is a, the experience that commends the gospel not detracts from it we pray that we might see the hope in weakness that the gospel is yep. Um Wherever we are this afternoon, whatever our experience is, whoever is listening in, whoever's watching, following up later on, Father we pray that the power of your word would speak with a a comfort and an encouragement or a confrontation and a challenge whatever is needed to bring us to see Jesus and not to see the people who are appearing on the screen, we pray that that might be achieved. Thank you for our time together bless each who are gathered in this way as we watch and share together in jesus name amen amen,
1: amen. thank you all for joining us we really appreciate it and we love to share this mm. with you see you next week
2: take care bye bye-bye take care bye